Hey guys, Luke here. Welcome to another episode. This one's with Eugene Teo, as you would have seen. Uh, Eugene very kindly flew up from Melbourne to do this podcast with me. So thank you very much, Eugene, for coming up to meet me and record at my home office slash bedroom. If you don't know who Eugene is, I recommend giving him a quick search. He's got a huge social media following and a cool membership site where he gives tons of good info for a ridiculously cheap price. Uh, something that I do as well. So if you want to check out my membership site too, you can check that out at lukatulik.com. Eugene's is called Ganbaru Method. Uh, if you do enjoy this episode, please give us a rating and a share so that we can say thank you. Otherwise, I'll let you get straight into it. Sweet. Uh, cool. Cool. We're rolling. We're live. We're no, not live. live. Well, not live live. Well, not live live, but you did fly in, per- in person to do this podcast, which I actually find hilarious. Why is that hilarious? This is just funny. Like if you go to someone and oh, you want to do a podcast and then you just go, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll fly it from Melbourne. <laughs> well, what, you know, it's, um, I've done a lot of podcasts in the past and mm. the ones that I always enjoy when it's in person. It's so like conversation. No, I agree. Like you can call somebody, you can Skype somebody and it's going to be pretty good. Yeah. Even just like a friend. Like I want to chat to a friend on the phone. But it's always going to be better when it's in person and you can have eye contact, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I agree. It's a bit weird with um, with the whole like regular podcast thing. And you, you know those ones where you, you're on and it's just like, and what did you do then? And what is your thought on this? Right. And then it's like you give the, the rote answer that you've given on like 10 other podcasts. Yes. Yeah. 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 When was the last podcast you did? You know, it hasn't been for, be um, a while ago. I think it was the Mind Muscle Mm. project and that was actually that was with john meadows so i was more john i was just oh, sort cool. of like hanging out there mm. it was more um for his podcast but i did one with them personally um just myself i think maybe a few months prior to that cool it's been about a year or so because i haven't really been um motivated to do it honestly because of that because mm. um i'll get approached and it will be we want to ask you about these 10 specific industry things about mobility or training yeah. and programming like cool like I've spoken about it or I've written about it and it excites me like I like talking about it but in an interview kind of format it gets very very dry yeah and I think it's a bit of a waste of um, of a conversation yeah I agree I mean, to, I mean, that sounds kind of weird <laughs> a waste of a conversation no, I know what you mean though um, I know what you mean because there's you know there's a lot of very interesting people that happen to be in to, in fitness mm. you know mm. and it's like there's there's obviously a lot more to them and i've come across more and more of those people the more i've kind of spent in this industry mm. um yeah so i think it's probably similar to that and after a while you just get you get sick of going over the same topics again and again it's just how it is yeah know? exactly i mean it seems very um there's been podcasts that i've been on those ones that i've um i've listened to mm. and it's just been very clinical yeah it's been here's a question give me your answer and there's next question, next yeah. question. It's not even like any kind of flow, which is also just part of like people need to practice the interviewing skill. Like yeah. I've realized how hard it is to be a, a podcaster or to be an interviewer because it's not just like realistic questions. Like how do you make it interesting? How do you actually make it feel like it's not a forced, strained interview? How do you make the person comfortable? All that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why like I think it's important. Like when I get the opportunity to I say, you know what? If you care enough to want to have me on your podcast and it's a short flight away, I'm happy to do that. That's awesome. Because, it, I mean, it's going to make it a more worthwhile conversation, um, not even for for the public. Like, of course, like we care about how people are going to listen to it and if they're going to enjoy it or not. But I more care about, am I going to enjoy doing it? 
Yeah. Are you going to enjoy the experience as well? Like that's what I really care about is making sure that we both enjoy this however long as we chat for. Um, I don't want to leave a one hour Skype call being like, I can't wait to have a nap now. (laughs) That was (laughs) was fucking boring. Yeah. Like, you know, I agree with you. I I like that. Um, it's almost selfish. It's like, well, I want to talk to this person, so I'm going to ask them on my podcast. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly right. (laughs) Um, well, I also wanted to actually ask you a little bit because we're going traveling soon. Mm -hmm. Uh, you've Mm -hmm. obviously been a lot of places and Mm -hmm. if there were any sort of highlights for you in terms of, obviously there'd be nice seminars Mm. that that you've done and Mm. you probably don't get as much time on the ground, Mm. uh, as the average traveler. But if there's anywhere that like stood out to you where you're like, I'd really like to go back there for a holiday or something. Yeah. So, um, so a lot of highlights through the travels. One thing that all stood out to me was. And this is, I guess, more unique for someone like myself or yourself where you have this following that's mm. international where um, the best thing about social media and, and what I get to do now with traveling is that everywhere I go, I'm going to have friends. Yeah, I'm going to have somebody who wants to reach out and to show me around or just wants to catch up. And it, it's a really, it's a welcoming experience, mm. um, which makes it so much more enjoyable. So a lot of the highlight places I have, um, like Italy was a big one. Cool. For me, like I loved Italy, yeah. and of course you can say, "Oh, because you were in Rome, you saw the touristy kind of stuff." It's a lot of fun. Like, yeah, that was cool. The food was good, but you can have good food. You can see good touristy stuff anywhere. Yeah. What made it incredible for me was the relationships there. Mm, you know, cool. Had had a fantastic host. Him and his partner took us out a lot, and it was just really enjoyable experience. And also, the people in the seminar, they were just so enthusiastic, even though they couldn't really speak yeah, English. Um, like that was a humongous just <laughs> <laughs> challenge. I walk in and, and um, you know, there's 50 students there, all Italian, uh, or maybe like four or five had come from like London and whatnot. So they, I'm pretty sure they spoke English. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm just trying to make, you know, some small talk. Cause I like to talk to people. It's like, hey, you know, what are you here for? Or like, what's your background? Yeah. And I'm talking to a couple of people and I just see straight away, they have no idea what I'm saying. I'm like, oh, this is oh, going to be, this is going to be a long yeah. weekend. <laughs> but despite that, it was still incredible. Yeah, like they awesome. just connected so much with the presentation. They enjoyed it. All. They saw very hands on ask. They tried to ask questions when they could. Yeah. There were a couple of English speakers who could help translate. Um, but you know, it's always, I always thought when I was a lot younger traveling, it would always be about the places I get to see, yeah. um, the food I get to eat, all those kinds of things. But what really makes the places for me is actually all the, all the people, yeah. the people I get to meet and just trying to immerse myself in the local culture and experiencing it through, um, through their eyes. Um, but in more of a typical touristy sense, mm. some of the standout like um, places would be like Iceland. Cool, yeah. Like that is, as you can imagine, it's completely untamed, wild, and it is literally just out of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, awesome. It's out of Game of Thrones, where you drive for twenty minutes on the highway and you got beautiful waterfalls. Um, we weren't there in winter, so we didn't see like a lot of. Um, the ice glaciers. Mm. I mean, but that is still there as well in the southern parts during the summertime. Yeah. Um, I'd love to go there and spend a good couple of weeks with a big, like proper, um, more like all the camper vans, yeah, whatever it is, yeah, and actually yeah. go touring around. Because, I mean, we were just there in a typical sedan, so it's not really made for off-roading yeah. and for going into some of the more wild places, but I'd love to be able to do that. That's awesome. And just um, explore. It's just so, it's so different, so unique over there. Mm. Um, so, I mean, even... Um, that whole little section of the world where like there's Denmark, there's um, Finland as well. Yep. I only got to spend a couple of days in Finland. I want to go back there and actually just spend and just relax. Like, that was more of a stopover going yeah. over to, um, to Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that was actually really good as well, Canada. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Look, if we're going to say top three, top three, to keep it simple, yeah. Iceland, Italy, and Canada. Cool. Specifically in Canada is Calgary. Again, yep. because I'm a big nature buff, I love being able to go out. We went to, um, to Banff. Awesome. Um, the Rockies out there, beautiful. Phenomenal. Anytime you can get me hiking, see nature, I get really excited. That's awesome. Yeah. I'd love to do that. Actually, my my mate went to Iceland uh, during Christmas and it was uh, like a couple of years ago mm. and it was so windy that it blew the door off of his hire car. <laughs> <laughs> like he opened it and it just went the wrong way on the hinge and he's fuming because obviously the insurance is then through the roof. Right. Yeah, it was pretty funny, but uh, <laughs> maybe it's a different experience. That is time. intense. Like, I, I I don't like... I don't know how... You like the cold, don't you? Love it. Yeah, I, I don't like the cold. <laughs> I don't like it that much whatsoever. I hate the heat. Yeah, like, I don't like the heat heat either. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm very boring and pleasant in between. Yeah, in between. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I um, mean, I guess, but I, I if I had to choose, I'd rather have the cold. Right. Like, literally, when we were in Sweden one year over Christmas, and it was, you know, it was pretty cold. It was negative five or something. It wasn't, like, super, super cold. But um, I just remember being in people's houses and apartments and stuff, and they'd have the heating on, and I'd be way too hot. I'd literally go outside in a T-shirt just to cool down a bit <laughs> and come back in and rejoin the party. It's just like, I don't know. You overheat. Just overheat. It's just one of those things. Yeah, it's super interesting. I mean, the people definitely make... Like mm. uh, the last seminar that uh, Jordan Shallow and I did in Melbourne mm. just has such an amazing crew of people. And it just, it's weird how you have, I guess, because you're all there for the same thing. You're all in a room together for a certain amount of time. And it, it just kind of galvanizes this like interesting uh, collective group feeling between sure. everybody. It's really sure. cool. Yeah. Um, like you can, you can get that. You, you can also get the opposite. Depends. Yeah. It depends yeah. on the crowd. Like I found Melbourne to usually be a very, very good welcoming crowd. Mm. Same as some places in the UK. And then every now and then you get random blips yeah. where you just don't connect with the people or you get a couple of bad eggs yeah. which end up spoiling the entire entire experience, which is unfortunate. But this is part of yeah. you know, when you do when you do a lot of events, learn to manage that do as you, well. Do you find that it's um you kind of get different uh groups within fitness like you might get some people who are more into i don't know like powerlifting and strength sports and some people who are more i don't know bodybuilders or some people who are like completely different altogether and i've just found in a couple of seminars i've been at it's like well yeah you have all of the big powerlifters over there in the corner and then it's like the, mm. all the people who do crossfit are kind of on that side or yeah. whatever. do you get that a bit? it's weird where sometimes um like obviously if they've come together they're gonna collect together in their little in their little clicks but mm. i've also found in certain locations where Nobody really knew each other. They just tended to group together naturally, organically. Yeah. Like before there was any introduction or breakout period, nothing. It was just like, no, they just all the powerlifters just sat together. <laughs> and they don't even look like powerlifters. Some of them, you can tell when, when a guy's a, a gigantic powerlifter, yeah, yeah, they're a powerlifter. But they'd be just like your 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 lighter, your lightweight powerlifters. Mm. Just happen to just hang out with each other. <laughs> That's convenient. It's yeah. some kind of like weird subconscious energy flow. Like, oh <laughs> yeah. yeah, crossfitters, go in the corner here. <laughs> <laughs> magnetism yeah yeah interesting that's pretty cool um how did you find the 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 travel affected you from like a a sort of health and and even like a mental health perspective right yeah it um it broke me 
Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm probably still recovering. <laughs> I've been I've been sort of back yeah. in um in Australia since around October. So now what? It's now a February. Yeah, are we? No, January. Oh, nearly, Jan- nearly February. February, yeah, February. Don't even know where you are. Release the podcast in February. <laughs> make it make it sound legit. <laughs> but I mean, that's one. I lost concept of time. Yeah, I lost concept of time. You will. Um, the first year I was touring, um, the first straight year anyway, I was so meticulous with circadian rhythms, yeah. um, timing supplements, timing training, timing food, timing hydration, everything. And that was really, really good because mm. it helped me adjust so, so easily. Um, and then, of course, you start to slip a little bit yeah. because I ramped up my touring even more and took on a lot more um, just commitments overall um, for the most recent tour. And then just things start sliding. And then you realize, well, like, oh, you know what? I didn't sleep last night, but I still performed okay. Mm. And you think you can get away with it. Yeah. And then it builds up. And then you realize, okay, it's been six months and you haven't slept properly. Your body's <sighs> about to, to explode. Up, um, so, of course, like the typical lack of sleep um, has been there. And I'm sure actually I'm still recovering somewhat from that mm. in a way. Um, but it's also been very interesting where I've realized just how, um, how well your body can still function like yeah. not thrive definitely not thrive but it can still function can perform like i always think oh if i don't get my nine hours sleep i mm. can't perform and i can't train and i can't um teach properly i'm going to give a really terrible performance when i'm running a workshop but some of my best workshops are actually in that state yeah, yeah where yeah. i hadn't slept um like i remember when i was in ireland a couple of years ago i was staying in a place that had a lot of mold in it and i'm mm, very sensitive i remember to mold. you said this yeah. yeah super super sensitive to mold so i was just jacked up i couldn't sleep for a week I would have got maybe a couple of hours intermittently um, and it wasn't deep sleep at the time. But then it was an incredible event I ended up giving. I, it was about 12 hours straight of just lecturing. Yeah, right. And um, to be able to just maintain that, I was like, that's kind of impressive. And then yeah. it, it gave me the confidence to know that, you know what, when things don't always go to plan, you can still pull something together. Yeah. And while circumstances could have been better, for sure, maybe would have felt it better about it, but it's still, you can still do this. Mm. And that was very um, liberating, I guess is the word. Awesome. Where um, I think a lot of people, especially like in this industry of, of training and trying to track your metrics, biohacking, people are like, oh my God, HRV is, is down 10 points today, yeah. my heart rate's up, um, I'm I'm no longer in a, in a recoverable state, I shouldn't train. Mm. I had a little bit of gluten last night, so I'm all bloated. Now I can't... I mean, that's completely psychosomatic anyway. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Anyway, they freak out. I'm like, no, no, it's actually not that big a deal. Mm. And a lot of what we... Um, a lot of these feelings and sensations that we have about our body, they're a complete lie. And we tend to manifest a lot more of the issues that we actually have to deal with. Yeah. It's not know, that bad man, that's, that's massive. I mean, that's that's such a, a good insight. I think it's, it's so true. Mm. Um it's just one of those things where I, I hate when it's kind of this, this weird thing that happened where we, we learn more detail and more detail and more detail. And it's like, Oh, maybe this affects things. And Oh, okay. Right. We see effects of your gut microbiome or we yeah. see effects of this or this and this. And we analyze biomechanics to the nth degree and people end up being so, um, they don't view their bodies as adaptable and resilient anymore. Mm-hmm. They start to see all the little weak links and all the little things that could go yeah. wrong. Yeah. And then, like you said, it feeds into how you move and how you think about yourself. And, mm-hmm. and it's you get these psychosomatic symptoms coming as well. And it's really something that I'm trying to push with like pain and injuries and yeah. just general yeah. lifestyle stuff. It's like hit the big stuff where you can and be consistent with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are adaptable. View yourself yeah. as strong. Like, yeah. Take the positive mentality where you For can. Sure. For sure. Like, I really love that. Um, I love how the industry in the past few years um, has started to 
um, to look into the whole pain model. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of the Greg Lieberman, Laura Mosley, all that kind yeah. of work. I really, I'm really excited to see that being put forwards a lot more um, by a lot of leaders mm. because it's promoting this idea that we're not fragile creatures and that we're not broken. Yep. Where I think maybe five to ten years ago, um, the trend was you're broken. Yeah. You don't have internal rotation. Oh, this is you've got a flat left foot. Mm. That's why you have this valgus at your left knee. That's why you have your right lower back. That's why your your right shoulder's kinked out. That's why you have this neck pain. And it tells a very, very nice story. It's very compelling, but it isn't true. Mm. And the issue is with a story like that is it leaves people very helpless. And they've learned, it's learned helplessness. Absolutely. They don't know how to help themselves. And, and unless they... They come to your course. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Unless you, you pay for the seven for level yeah. two, not level one. That's right. Level one tells you you're fucked. Level two tells you how to unfuck yourself. Uh, it's a very good business model. Yeah. But I really like how um, the industry is catching on to that idea where um, it's understanding the role of the nervous system, yeah. like neuro- the, the neurology of everything, how everything is you know, controlled by, by the brain and something so clear cut like pain. It's so, it's so powerful for a lot of people mm. when they really start understanding and coming to terms with that. Um, the balance, of course, is helping somebody understand that, yeah, you're in pain, but no, it's not all in your head. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, You're not crazy, but it actually is all in your head at the yeah. same time. Yeah. So we've got, we've got to reframe this. We've got to tell you that you're not broken, but you're not a crazy person for experiences of pain either. Yeah. It's a challenge. It's really hard. I think it's a bit of an abstract concept for people because, yes. you know, as soon as you say, well, pain is is a perceptive issue and then mm. you go, oh, well, so you're just saying I need to change my mindset about it. It's like, yeah. well, you do, but that's not going <laughs> to automatically resolve your pain. <laughs> so what do I do then? Uh, well, I don't know. Like it's a bit individual. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of different yeah. things that can contribute, right? Um, exactly. It's tough. And, you know, also I think... So something that got me on the track with this with pain was sometimes that just novelty helps a lot. So sometimes people mm-hmm. will do mm-hmm. an exercise or they'll change how they're doing things because of pain and then the pain starts to resolve and they go, oh, you know, I did these external rotations and now my shoulder pain's gone. And it's like, yeah, but you could have maybe done a dozen of different things and it could have affected your pain. And that even bleeds over into other stuff where if you do, if you have that, that role of novelty in your life in general, it can change your outlook. It can change your, Definitely. you know, this Definitely. stuff there too. Definitely. Like I'm sure you'll have a much better understanding. I'm just going to make it up out of my head right now. Mm. But when, when you go through novel experiences, I'm sure there's something going on in the brain in yeah. terms of neuroplasticity. Yeah. Your body's just like, Ooh, new, exciting. And maybe it's a distraction from your pain. Mm. That could be part of it. Um, I don't know, but I think it's, um, it's very, very important um, for people not to just want to learn more and more about their current field. Like I don't want, like I think it's cool if you want to learn more about nutritional training, programming, for sure, keep going for that. But I think what's missing from um, a lot of people is trying to learn completely new things yeah. out of their, out of what they currently know, have any background in. Massively. Um, I mean, of course, if we're looking at it in the specific pain construct, yeah, trying new movements, mm. trying to explore new patterns that you haven't done before that you thought maybe might have been dangerous, challenging your current paradigm of what's safe versus what's risky, that's so important for somebody dealing with chronic pain mm. or even an acute injury. I think that's a humongous part of the rehabilitatory process, not from a biomechanical standpoint, from a neural standpoint, mm. but I think from an overall growth standpoint, aside from pain, I think people need to be willing to explore completely new avenues in their life that's how you just that's um that's a a relatively new revelation for me that i never really understood i mean you have a musical background like me so i'm sure there's many artists um where you really got into them 
10 years ago and then you've watched them evolve yes. over 10 years now they've got a completely different sound and you're like maybe you don't like it yeah maybe you're like this is kind of weird mm. or you fo- you discover a new band a new artist and you try to go back to the old catalog and get this is this yeah. is strange <laughs> yeah. this is so strange like listen to the the chili peppers yeah okay you're a big chili peppers fan yeah like listen to their old stuff it's completely different absolutely to where they're at now is it better is it worse it's different mm-hmm. and honestly in some aspects it's unrecognizable yeah you wouldn't even think they're the same band. Yeah. Um, but it's just this constant evolution. And um, I think musicians or artists, the creatives, they've got this very natural talent to be able to do that, yeah. to want to explore and do that, where I think people with you and I kind of back are very much cerebral yeah. and logical. Yeah. Um, it's very easy for us to just hyper-focus and say, I want to learn everything there is to know about biochemistry biomechanics and get very good at that mm. and that's that's my thing yep. that's my jam I'm going to yep. get a PhD in this and just become hyper focused and then I think actually that actually can breed a lot of stagnation yes um, which I find yeah interesting I agree I mean I think the the movement like specialization is is important to how mm. society is at the moment right yes we wouldn't be where we were without it but at the same time it's going down a dangerous route where there's not enough people um being generalists and embracing that as well. Mm. Uh, you know, and you can be good at something, but maybe you're not just like exclusively following that down the rabbit hole. Um, and maybe you're branching out and integrating that with other stuff throughout your life. And, you know, I even think, you know, I've, I've posted a few times about things like uh, hobbies and, and stuff like that. And I think mm-hmm. that makes you better as a, like as a person, Definitely. I think it makes Definitely. you better. I think it feeds into your health. Um, mm-hmm. Just doing stuff that's really different. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, is like so you obviously have the music is there like anything else that you kind of do that's um, a bit weird out there music is a big one I mean yeah. would you even call that weird out there <laughs> it's, it's different to what you typically expect from um, training I guess yeah 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 um, I do have more exercise based hobbies so I've recently gotten into Brazilian Jiu Jitsu cool um, I don't like to categorize that as a hobby though um, because I still see it as related to training mm. to like the gym work yep. and I do still I get a lot of training benefits from it and I, I and so it's very related in that way mm. but that's been a, a fascinating last few weeks honestly because it's, it's only been maybe five weeks I've been getting into it yeah a lot to learn it's been yeah, a lot to learn very overwhelming and I, I love that sensation of being completely out of my depth yeah. and not knowing a thing about what you're meant to do and it's you know it's, it's brought a lot of interesting thoughts to mind I mean my first day um, go in there and I thought, okay, maybe they're going to show me some instructions. It's going to be a beginner's class. They're going to mm. tell me, okay, here are the main like positions or here's what you're trying to do. Here's what the goal is. Yeah. Okay, apart from like not die. Like you're trying to get into this position or whatever. None of that happened. I was like, just jump into this class and go for it. See yeah, what happens. Right. And so even like on the warm-up drill, okay, you're meant to run, you're meant to do, do laps of the, of the mats and do some push-ups, some squats, some like different hip escape drills. And I'm like, I'm just looking, trying to learn I'm like, okay, I see they're doing some kind of weird thing with the hip, they're sort of like pumping the ground. I'll, I'll try to do that too and see what happens. Um, but that feeling of overwhelm, I haven't had that complete challenge to my to my brain in a very long time. And that was so, so, so exciting. Um, and having to honestly learn by not being shown, yeah. by not being taught, having to figure it on your own, having to problem solve it. I think, especially in this information age, we want to have a, a paint-by-numbers kit. I follow these steps. Here's a sequence of events, and then you're going to build muscle. Absolutely. Okay, you're going to you're going to lose fat. Take these supplements, do this, that, and the other. You're going to get a result. Mm. And that's how I wanted to approach jiu-jitsu. 
I wanted to be told, okay, Eugene, you do these seven moves, your partner will have to do that, and then you're going to win. I like that. It fits to my logical brain. <laughs> yeah. But of course, human nature is nothing like that. Mm. An actual fight, nothing like that. Even training in the gym is nothing like that. Mm. It's so open to variation. Like every single experience is going to be slightly different. We have to teach our bodies not how to follow these rules and these laws, but we have to learn how to respond and react to them yeah. and, re- and choose the best possible reaction to those kinds of things. Mm. And where it becomes instinctive to know how to be, to change, to um, react to this dynamic environment because the world is dynamic. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I just remember just feeling, even now, I still feel completely overwhelmed every single time. They're using a lot of words that I understand still. I'm just sort of just not along and then just hope for the best. Yeah. But it got me thinking about just how overwhelmed um, a lot of people must be when they go into the gym. Yes. Because again, like being in, in, in our positions where we've been in the gym for so, so, so long, um, it's a very, very common trait that all the trainers have is um, they forget what it's like to be that absolute first timer in the gym and not knowing what you're doing not knowing the language not knowing the skills being overwhelmed not knowing your place mm. like you're meant to line up in jutsu you're meant to line up by rank right so like um, I'm sure different schools are differently but you're meant to like black belts or colored belts to the one side the white belts on the other end and of course on day one I stood up with the colored belts I thought I'm going to stand <laughs> right here this is, this is where I belong these guys yeah for sure because I thought it was just like first come first serve so like yeah. whoever gets to the front of the class you go there and like Eugene, get to the back. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? But uh, I see. I see. So to change that up. Um, but then, like, I felt a bit foolish. Um, but how foolish would other people feel in the gym when they first came yeah, to the gym? Man. How overwhelmed would they be? Uh, yeah, I've had that experience because I, um, I, I picked up more calisthenic training and so mm. gymnastics, yeah. you, know, yeah. you know, from someone who does strength sports or bodybuilding going into that you feel this incredible amount of overwhelm and it's so good for you because Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it makes you suddenly realize oh okay this i remember how this feels now from 10 years ago when i first said yes i didn't know what i was doing yeah it's incredible but i think that's you know you mentioned sort of struggling to find your own uh, your own way with that stuff and i think that's actually where the neural plasticity is engaged the most you know like Mm -hmm. when we struggle Mm -hmm. against a load um and then that gives that signal to muscle to change and, and it, it has its own plasticity as a tissue. Um, in the same way, I think that when you are sort of struggling and flailing around a bit and, and mentally it's difficult, um, that's where you get the most growth in the brain as well. And um, mm-hmm. I think some people miss that because often when stuff is a bit hard to learn, they kind of don't do it and they go over the stuff that's easy. Um, mm. But but trying to tackle the stuff that mentally challenges you is where those new neural connections are formed and where you can actually you know, change yourself. So yeah, for sure. It's, that was that's massive. It's a huge thing. Yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 something that's exciting to me, and I can also understand why for a lot of people they don't see it as exciting. Mm. They they approach it with a lot of apprehension. Like I enjoy being put in a situation where I feel that pressure of oh, I don't know what the answer is, and I've got to then be put on my toes. Like so, actually, another hobby is I've I've just started or well, not. I've been um, learning Spanish. Cool. Um, for the last six or seven months. And I've been using this Duolingo app. Yep. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a great app. Yep. It's a lot of gamification built into it. makes you feel like you're getting somewhere with it. Um, but I started to realize that all of it is based on recall and repetition. Yep. Not so much retrieval and mm-hmm. having to form and construct your own patterns. So I did my first ever lesson with a private tutor um, the other day. And I'm going to do that a lot more because day one, I was like, holy shit. I've done six months and I'm, I'm on like level five in dual like I've got so many blue diamonds. Like, like you better watch the fuck out. I've unlocked all the achievements. 
And then she was like, so tell me how old you are. I was like, sorry, what would you say? (laughs) (laughs) What do you like to do? What's your job? I'm so, sorry, what? Oh, <laughs> like, God. Repeat that again. Yeah. Are you talking English right now? And she was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, I'm in trouble. <laughs> but again, like, I, I love that. Mm. I like that that pressure. Um, because then I, I realized that something I need to then develop more. Yeah. Because then I found, okay, what I'm lacking. What, what can I now improve Absolutely. Uh, you know, that, that sort of immersion is incredible. Like, I have the same thing. So my wife's Swedish. And mm. So I've gone through a bit of Swedish and, right. and all that sort of thing. But as soon as you, you get dumped in the middle of like a Swedish household and they're all talking to each other and you're like, oh shit, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. That's hard. And, you know, even to the point where it's stuff that you don't expect, you know, like you said, you can, you can study like, okay, in jujitsu, I have to do this move and this move and this move. But then when you get into the real situation, it's different. And my wife's from the South of Sweden and guess what? Every language learning tool out there Mm. that teaches Swedish uses a different fucking accent. (laughs) So it doesn't sound the same. So all the shit I learned how to say it a certain way, they say it different. So now I've got to like re-go back and be like, oh shit, I don't even know what they're saying here. Yeah. Um, And that's like, that's the unpredictability of real life, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's nuts. (laughs) That's pretty cool. So Spanish, is there a reason why you're learning Spanish specifically? Um, It's actually a very logical one. (laughs) Because it's just, it is one of the most... I think, in, apart from probably Chinese, yep. probably the, the um, most widely used language, apart from English as well. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it's... I remember hearing somewhere that in some ways, like a gateway language to mm. a lot of other languages. Yes. Where with, with the way that they um, they conjugate verbs or the grammar set up, yep. it's a very easy entry point. Mm. Um, and, you know, I like Spain. Yeah. I like Spain. Yeah, yeah, why not? Yeah, I haven't been to Spain, but I like the idea of Spain. I'm like, yeah, yeah Spanish food is good. I like paella and mole <laughs> and stuff like that. I love I'm that. sure. So I'd love to be able to um to go there and actually be completely fluent. That'd be awesome. Um, one day. One day. Yeah. I'm hoping we can get to Spain next mm. year. We'll be in Portugal, so we'll be close enough. Yeah. But hopefully we yeah. can uh, jump across the border. But you're into food as well. You're yes. pretty into food. Yeah, very much. Did you? Very much. Um, so like... You, you teach yourself a bit of cooking? Yeah. So I, I grew up watching MasterChef and, awesome. and and every different food thing you could find on, on TV at the time. Um, and that just, I've always just enjoyed food and enjoyed experimenting. And then being a bodybuilder at the time, like you just, you got to cook for yourself because yep. you can't have your home cooking. You can't eat out. You got to learn cooking. You got to learn to make it kind of exciting yeah, more than absolutely. just bland stuff. You can't have chicken breast um, for every meal. Yeah. And then eventually you start realizing that you don't have to have chicken and broccoli and that even like a steak is not even exciting you're like oh i can actually be very imaginative and it's just fun yeah it's a fun thing to do yeah Yeah. i agree yeah that's pretty cool is there a cuisine that's your favorite cuisine to eat Mm. like my my go-to dish when i travel everywhere and is um is vietnamese pho yeah awesome um just because it's so simple yeah it's hydrating a lot of sodium yeah it's um it's it's very, if you want to be clean, yeah. inverted commas, because you can't see it on, on, the, on the podcast. <laughs> I'm using inverted commas, guys. Don't judge me for saying clean. Um, but it is it is a very bodybuilding or clean, friendly um, kind of meal, and it's, and it's delicious. Yeah. But I, I, love, um, I love the Asian varieties because of um, how versatile they are. Yeah, mm-hmm. They've got fried stuff. They have the cleaner options. They have the fresh options. Yep. Um, yeah, so I really like to... Um, go Vietnamese or Japanese. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. You cook that much yourself as well? No, I do not. <laughs> no, I certainly do not. <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> it's funny how, um, you know, 
I remember what like because I'm obsessed with all those like chef shows as well. So yeah. like on um, we are actually we have plans to go to Slovenia specifically mm. because I sh- I saw it on Chef's Table on Netflix. There's a uh, a Michelin starred restaurant in this like little valley in Slovenia. And they did a flyover shot of the valley that this restaurant is in. And I was like, holy shit, is that what Slovenia looks like? What the fuck? It's beautiful. Unbelievable. Uh, it's called Hisha Franco, I think. Okay. Um, okay. The restaurant. So anyway, uh, you know, I watch a lot of those those sort of shows. And you often see like, oh, the the places to go and eat in Thailand is like a street vendor. That's, mm. that's mm. an old lady who's been cooking the same particular yeah. type of crab for 40 years. And that's where you eat. Yeah. I love that about a lot of... Uh, Asian food mm. is that like that's the primo stuff you yeah. don't have to pay 300 euros in a French restaurant to get the best stuff yeah yeah uh, it's, it's pretty phenomenal so I think that's um, certainly something that I, I I like to travel for, f- for food of course what else is there to travel for <laughs> yeah so you know hopefully we'll do a bit of stewing in the cu- country's culture but then food's a really big part of that which you know is like an interesting thing um, I suppose this is maybe a little bit too much industry talk but uh you know, with food, I think there's this this weird thing where people deny themselves that stuff and they don't pay attention to the fact that um, connecting to social acts and cultural roots mm-hmm. is like this important aspect of health, right? Right. And I think food's a massive gateway into that. Mm-hmm. Would you agree mm-hmm. with that? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think a big disconnect that um, people, people have, um, especially when it comes to... Um, the body composition or the, whether it's bodybuilding was mm. trying to improve your fitness is it's very easy to isolate yourself yeah. and to succeed by doing that. Yeah. Okay. Because of, of course, if you alienate yourself from all your friends, all your family, and all you do is train, eat, sleep, and focus on your, your body composition, your health, of course you can thrive. Mm. Okay. You're going to get exceptional results because it's all you obsess about. But then they forget about the fact that humans, like we're tribal creatures and we need that's a fundamental component Mm. to our overall health is um not being isolated not being alienated and i would say like there are very 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 few people who truly are meant to be hermits meant to be isolated yeah um like i thought for myself because i'm like a very introverted guy Mm. i thought oh i'm better off on my own i do better on my own i thrive on my own Mm. and it wasn't until the last couple of years i realized how much i actually thrive and and enjoy myself around people yes. to the point where I was like, mm, like I actually get energy from being around people. I still wouldn't call myself an extrovert the way that a true extrovert would be, mm. but it was interesting where it was something that I, that I shunned for so long and something that so many people do shun. It's like, Oh, I can't deal with humans today. Yeah, too much yeah. humaning. Yeah. I've been socializing <laughs> yeah. for a weekend and now I need two months off in a mountain somewhere. Absolutely. It's like, you know what? It's, it makes sense for about 30 seconds. And mm. then you actually realize, no, no, we are a social creature where um, we have tribes, we have people. And if you need to always pull yourself out of that situation, because these people are draining my energy. Mm. Maybe it's not that they're draining your energy. Maybe it's that you don't know how to, how to deal with being in a tribe. Yeah, yeah. And that's actually, honestly, a very challenging thought for a lot of people. It's a very challenging thought for me to realize that, hang on, now there's something wrong with me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's very easy to say, oh, it's people are too much for me because I'm above them. I'm in too much intellect. I'm too much of an introvert. They're, under- mm. they're not my people. Yep. So I need to disconnect and go, go to my hole for a little bit. Um, of course, there are going to be people that you don't connect with. Yeah. They're going to be people who completely drain your soul. That's always going to be out there. And you're going to encounter them most days. Um, but I think a very necessary part of this is not is not accepting that it's other people's problem. And maybe 
there's something within yourself that needs mm. to be developed to be able to learn how to um, get the most out of interactions yep. and to thrive in a social environment. Because mm. um, I think people, that's where they're, they're lacking in their health, yeah. in their development the most. It's a big piece. I think that can be very difficult, uh, obviously, to confront. Um, of course. But, but it also, when you embrace that, it's you mentioned this before, it's liberating because mm-hmm. it's like, mm-hmm. well, now I'm not dependent on other people. It's actually something that I have control over. Yeah. Um, which yeah. is which is massive. And I think even that sense of um, control is something that is, it's powerful for your happiness, right? Very much. Very yeah. much. Very much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Awesome. What I wanted to also ask you, um, you know, moving forward for, for 2020, do you kind of do any of the, do you do goal setting? Do you do like any of that sort of stuff? You're laughing. Um, I, you know, I think I do not formally. Like I don't say, okay, by, by end of the year, I need to check off these things on my checklist or anything like that. Um, I don't do that because, um, I found when I have done that in the past, um, it keeps me too fixed and too rigid. Yeah. And everything is dynamic. Mm. Everything that was dynamic. And if you get too hard set and saying, I have to make X amount of money, I've got to hit X amount of events, I've got to create this platform to be able to reach people, whatever it is, mm. having these tasks as the one thing you focus on. And I think it's it's obviously very useful. Yep. Okay. A lot of the business people say that's what you should be doing. Mm. So you should have this goal and work and focus towards and then it will come to fruition. And that's happened for me as well. Where if I, if I set myself one target, I would obviously hit it. Yep. But at the same time, um, it can also set you onto this straight path mm. that is now lo- no longer open to variation when life happens or when other opportunities arise. And you forget how to be dynamic because you're too hyper-focused on the one outcome. Yep. And what I started to realize when I looked at all these different successful people is yes, they would have their goals. Saying, look, I want to be able to travel and teach to these different places. I want to be able to hit X financial goals or whatever it was, or create certain business systems and platforms. Um, they had them as targets, but then they also knew how to be reactive and dynamic in their approaches mm. to be able to help them get to those eventual goals. Um, so I, I don't have a lot of set targets for myself. I have in the past. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Um but right now I'm at an interesting transition where it's just going to be a lot of um, see what happens yeah. and react to the situations, react to um, whatever comes my way. I'm not just going to sit back and say, yeah, all the good shit should come to me. Totally. <laughs> but yeah. of course, like when I start setting a plan in motion, I know there's going to be some feedback, mm. positive or negative. Mm. Okay. And then how am I going to deal with that? That's what I want to be focusing more these day-to-day processes because I've got that long-term end goal. It's always going to be there. It's always going to be something that's going to be um, changing as well. Um, But what I really want to hone more is the immediate problem-solving present moment when it comes. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's a funny thing, hey, Um, because at the end of the day, you do have to be just kind of focused on what's right in front of you. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But you also need some sort of direction. It's kind of hard, right? I think people tend to do either one or the other, Mm. which is pretty Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very interesting. Um, Yeah, well, man, uh, thanks very much for flying up to do a podcast. (laughs) My pleasure. My pleasure. It's a lot of fun doing things like this. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I I really appreciate it. And I'm very excited to see what is coming with what you're doing. I think it's it's pretty interesting what you've um, managed to build. And uh, it'd be very interesting to see 
what ends up happening in 2020. Thank you. Me too. I'm excited to see what happens. I've got no idea. So yeah. Going <laughs> <laughs> yeah. to see what happens. Yeah. We spoke about a, a few things uh, off microphone, so to yeah. speak. Um, that should be pretty interesting to see. And uh, maybe I can help you out with a few other cool little things as well. Yes, please. <laughs> cool. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you in the next one. See you later.